Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by a guy I've known since some of the earliest days of my career. Not only have Tom and I watched each other grow, but we've also seen each other in action. After years of proof and demonstrated skill, I can confidently say Tom Schwab knows a lot about how to build an online business. He also understands marketing at its heart is starting a conversation with someone who could be an ideal customer. Tom helps small business owners and entrepreneurs get featured on leading podcasts or prospects already listening to. Then he shows them how to turn those listeners into customers. To help you do this, he's authored his latest book, Connect, Grow Your Business as a Podcast Guest, as well as creating the Connect Online course and founding the full-service booking concierge program, Interview Valet. I've asked Tom to join us today so we can talk a little bit about the past and how he became an expert at getting people interviewed and turning those interviews into leads, sales, and cash. So, Tom, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. It's always a pleasure when we chat. How you doing? Uh, Daryl, it's great to talk to with you. And I think back when we first met each other, it was before I think either one of us were on social media and mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. before I had ever listened to a podcast. So <laughs> I never thought we'd be here, but I'm thrilled to be. Hey, we survived the offline to online transition, eh? So Amen. Amen to that. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of transferable skills, of course. We'll talk a bit about that later on the interview. But I think in some ways... I always wonder what it would be like if my grandparents learned how to use today's tools because they were so good at some of the skills and the principles and the old school things that we've forgotten. You hear about some of the best salespeople and some of the best marketers and copywriters having been door-to-door salespeople before. And nowadays, you just don't get that hands-on experience, really. I totally agree with you on that. Sometimes I say I think that our grandparents would be better suited for the future than, say, our kids will be mm-hmm. from the standpoint of you know, it's not about the tools and the tactics because those are just multipliers. It's mm. really about the strategy and mm. what you're fundamentally trying to do in your business. And that was the same thing for our grandparents, and it'll be the same thing for our grandchildren. The only difference will be is the tools that they're using. Mm, mm, mm. Is that a big influence in how you approach everything that you do? Very much so. And as a Canadian, you might enjoy this even more. <laughs> I had an experience, oh, probably about two years ago. And, you know, everybody's talking about what's the newest tool and what's the newest thing that I've got to get that's going to change my business. And a friend of mine, Dan Miller, had had a tree that fell down on his property. And he had an artist come in with a chainsaw. And they, you know, carved this beautiful eagle out of it. And it was just gorgeous. And you see the people doing that with chainsaws and, you know, blocks of ice, they'll do art and everything. Well, I take a chainsaw and go out and I start cutting some firewood. And I slipped and I just about cut my leg off. And with that, I looked at it and said, you know, all the tool does, the more powerful the tool, the more it amplifies your creativity, your skill, 
or in my case, your stupidity. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's true too. As we get more and more powerful tools, you can either use them for good or bad. You know, I've seen people use automated emails to just reach out. Foster amazing relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And then I've seen other people use that same tool just to spam people. Yeah. So really, you know, you've got to understand that strategy first and then try to use the tool. And that's why I think we'll talk about today with using podcast interviews makes so much sense. Well, yeah. And I mean, uh, strategy is a huge part of it. And all my listeners definitely understand that. If they're new to the show, they definitely want to dive in and maybe even go back to some of the earliest ones that we started with, but really get a grasp of our kind of our core fundamentals on this show. But Tom, for you, how did you even get started in business? Like, do you come from an entrepreneurial family? How did you learn about business strategy? And aside from the courses that you and I did together, (laughs) (laughs) but like, where'd you get your beginning? If anything, I came from a non-business background, right? So I was a Midwestern kid that went into the Navy. Thank you for all the U.S. taxpayers for paying for my education. I went to the Naval Academy and then ran nuclear power plants. So that was my first job out of college. And that's where I learned, you know, systems and Mm. processes and that really success comes from following the system. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so from there, I left and I went into corporate America. And it wasn't until further on in life that, you know, I realized I always felt like a round peg in a square hole and wanted to build my own business. So I built a distributorship and then an online business. And uh, really, you know, I built it probably at the worst time, you know, as the U.S. was starting to go into recession, I decided this sounds like a great time to build a business. (laughs) But we were able to do that with inbound marketing, basically Mm. using content, you know, to get people to know, like, and trust us to attract visitors, you know, to turn them into leads and then customers. And we were able to do that. And in the midst of the recession, pretty much back, you know, when you and I first met, probably, you know, 2008 time point, at that point, using that to grow from a regional player to a national leader. So, you know, I always say that I learned more in those first couple of years of being a business owner than I learned even in nuclear power school. Mm -hmm. And what's so great right now is that, you know, we've got all the information out there, all the tools, all the people that want to help you. So while there's a lot of things wrong with the world right now, there is no better time to start a business. Yep. Yeah. And oftentimes for some people, the challenge is them not being willing to ask for help, right? Being afraid of that, like not believing in themselves really in that they can change their lives and have the things that they want to accomplish. So now you said one thing and I want to ask, so you said you use the content marketing and you built like a national presence, a large business. Now, did you just figure it out from the get-go? Did you make some big mistakes along the way? Content marketing was really trendy for a while. I don't think it's going out of style anytime soon. But what did you, like, It was was it really easy? Did you have any major hurdles? I mean, how was that process? You just kind of went overnight from startup to national presence? Or kind of what were some of the big milestones that you had to cross? You know, I look back and say, you know, it makes sense in the rearview mirror, but going forward, man, we've made a lot of mistakes. And, you know, I did, I call it my paper to click addiction for a okay. while, okay. you know, buying traffic and realizing, oh, this is great. You know, if I spend a dollar, I get this traffic, but it wasn't building a business. It was just, you know, buying some traffic. And what I noticed, it was getting less and less efficient. And then even the same way with content, you know, with blogs, I realized that hmm. nobody else was out there answering the questions. Hmm. And, you know, if I was the one that answered the question, that would get the viewers. And not only would I get the traffic, but I could help influence the answer, show that 
that I was offering a service, not just a transaction. Mm -hmm. And really, that's what we used. And as I look back on that more and more, I would look at it and say, okay, what am I trying to do here? So where would you get the questions? Oh, you get questions all the time. And if one person asks you a question, you know somebody else is going to ask the same question. So if I was on a call with a customer and they asked a question, I'd be like, oh, that is a good topic. You know, if I'd ask our customer service people, what's the common questions you get? And sometimes it was the questions that nobody wants to ask, like, how much does this cost? What's Mm -hmm. the worst things about this? Who should not have this product? And all of those things that people are asking the question about, but Mm -hmm. not everybody is answering the question. And, you know, when somebody says, well, how much does this cost? They're not really asking typically for a dollar amount, right? Because Uh, if I uh, asked how much does a house cost, well, there's no answer to that. Right. They just don't know what to ask. They're just trying to get the conversation going. And there's a great opportunity for you to educate them on here's the things to look at. Here's the different and really help them along with that process. The one thing I learned in college, and I think it was the best lesson I ever learned. I was in a class one time and I got my exam turned back to me. And across the front in red letters was ATFQ, and it stood for answer the freaking question. And Mm. what it was is I was just – I was BSing. I didn't know the answer, so I just answered whatever I wanted to. And I mean that's the best marketing advice I ever got, you know, answer the questions that people have because that's what they really want. And you and I have opinions on our business, but it's our customers that are the experts. So listen to the customers. If they ask a question, you answer. Yeah, you know, and that's actually like hyper relevant. We just did a test for this marketing campaign and I wasn't satisfied with the results. So I actually brought an old friend, a previous guest of ours, Otto, in on the project. Great interview. If anyone's listening, they may want to check that one out. It's about copywriting and because we had a sales letter and we did a test and it just didn't perform how it wanted to and then it was funny because in explaining the project to him I went through we'd done all these surveys to collect to ask people all these questions and we got all these answers I made a tag cloud with it so I put all the surveys into some free tag cloud tool so we could kind of get an idea of like what were the most common words people were using. And then I went through the sales letters and there was none of the same language on the two different pages. And I was like, huh, I wonder if that's why it didn't convert as well as we expected. So I just love that. There's, you know, it's, it's not a complicated formula in terms of just being in a mindset of servitude, asking people what they need help with and just literally just trying to help them. Tom, I'm going to put you on the spot. How do you do that in an interview setting? How do you do that? How do you transition from helping people to asking for the dollar? Because if you're already helping them, like, why would you stop? Do you know what I mean? Like, I think some people that might be an issue they have, like if they're giving an interview, they're just going to help, 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 right? They over teach, so to speak. So how do yeah. you, how do you help people with that? I'm not sure that you can ever really over teach from the standpoint of, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about, you know, jab, 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 right hook. And I might have missed a couple jabs on that. The way I look at that is, you know, serve, 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 ask. Mm. And so from the standpoint of there is no way that I can teach everything on how to grow your business as a podcast guest in a 30 or 45 minute interview, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But I can do as much as I can in that 30 or 45 minutes and, you know, really demonstrate that it works, that I know how it works and that really if people are interested and they want more, then take them to the next step. Right. So Mm. if I and podcasts are so great to do that, too, because if I tell you there's an infographic back on the website, it's not like that I'm holding it back from you. It's like, no, I can't. I'm sorry. It's a podcast. Mm -hmm. I can't give it to you right now. I can't show it to you. You know, I could tell you what the six secrets to getting books 
hooked on your first podcast are, but you know, chances are most podcast listeners are multitasking, right? They're mm-hmm. running, they're driving, they're not going to write it down. So it's much easier just to say, hey, there's this infographic. If you're interested in it, you can just go back to interviewvalet.com forward slash best business and everything Daryl and I talked about will be there. So mm. really it's helping them and leading them to the next step. Right. You know, the interview, that initial training is more the, what you want to do to just attract them there. Right, 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 right. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So what's been one of the hardest business lessons for you to learn as far as in being honest with yourself? Being honest with myself is the best compliment I ever got and the best insult I ever got was from a customer. <laughs> And he said, you're just like Preparation H. Okay. And I was just like, did he just insult our whole company? And he's like, no, I I mean that. He's like, you relieved my pain. You were recommended, you know, fast relief. And I'd recommend you to other people. And when I started to think about that, it's like, you know, nobody cares about your product or service, you know, not even your mom. She'll listen and she'll smile and she loves everything you do, but nobody cares about your product or service. They care about their pain. And I think Mm. that was an important lesson for me is that when I realize whatever I do, I'm selling preparation H and I've got to focus on how I can address their pain, how I can get them relief, all the rest of that. And it's not about, you know, my company, my service, it's about the needs of the customers or the pain of the customer. Mm, I love that. Yeah, that's very, very true. Because a problem is a market. That was from Gary Bensavenga. That's the best definition I've ever had. Really helped me just get some clarity. Problems are markets, not a demographic, not a psychographic. You know, if there's a watering hole where all your customers are going to circle around, it's going to be this problem. And another conference, it was the term that I loved that they used was the second time the car doesn't start. So the first time you get in your car and you have an issue with it, for example, myself and my car, the wiper fluid doesn't come out. I have a ton in there, but you pull the thing and just nothing spurts out. And so the first time it's kind of raining and I don't have, I'm like, oh, that's a nuisance. Like I need to get that fixed, but it's not really urgent or serious. But the second time, right, when it happens and I'm caught in bad weather and that's stuck like that, now it's become an urgent problem. And so the two places you'll find your customers are surrounding the problem that everyone has. And then of course, where they come into the market is whatever that is for your customer, your client, the second time the car doesn't start. I think it's really fundamentally changed the way we market and sell now too Mm. because – Nobody wants to be sold, right? Nobody Mm. goes on the internet and said, ooh, what can I be sold today? No, we all, (laughs) you know, nobody likes to be sold, but everybody likes to buy and everybody likes to solve their problems. Mm. So really the way to, you know, market yourself is not so much to sell, but to let people know that you could help them to build their trust, the know, like, trust, all the rest of that, and, you know, then let them come to the conclusion that, wow, you know, Tom could help me in my business. So it's really not about selling. It's about helping and serving people. Mm. And that's a complete mindset shift. You know, it's not a sales funnel. We're not trying to cram leads down so that we can get sales out of it. No, we're trying to help people through the process so they can solve their problem. And I think, you know, that's going to be the future of sales. And really, that's what it was probably for our grandparents and our great-grandparents. You weren't trying to attract as many leads as you could. No, you were just trying to serve that customer. And I think that's what it's going to go to more in the future too. Mm -hmm. So if someone's just struggling and they're getting started and they're trying to get on interviews, like on my show or someone else's show, or they think that that's an avenue. First of all, who is that appropriate for? Is that appropriate for everybody? If I'm a plumber, if I do welding work, is that something that's appropriate for me? Is there certain types of business that doing interviews lends best to? 
I think it does better on ones that are more nationally based as opposed to just very geographically based. Got it. It can work for them. But like I talked with a friend the other day, runs a great company installing AV and televisions and Mm -hmm. all the rest of that. He could serve the world, but he's got a geographical limitation. So I think in some ways for him to go on a big national podcast would be doing a disservice to the listeners too. Right, right. So I think if it's very geographically detailed – restricted, you're going to have a harder time doing it. That being said, there are some geographical podcasts out there, you know, ones that are just focused on a city. And if that's your market, you could do that. I mean, I heard one the other day that's just focused on the Great Lakes. And Mm. not only did he start a podcast, but that podcast got picked up by like every little radio station along the Great Lakes. So I think uh, it would work. You just have to make sure that you know who you want to talk to. And that's probably the biggest thing. You know, there's 350,000 podcasts right now, and 99% of them won't do you any good. Mm. And, you know, you would be doing people a disservice to be on there. So I, I think that would be the first thing to look at. Got it. And here's something I almost want to set people's expectation. I've seen, and this is where some people might not think it's complicated, like whatever, I just have to convince them to put me on their show and get my spiel. And if I get put in front of a million people, I'm going to get something, right? But I've had, I've seen it time and time again, people get exposure to like a million people and their conversion rate is a big fat 0.00000, right? Yeah. So why is that? It's that prospecting. And that's the first step is you've got to prospect and going bigger will not help you. And I sometimes will ask clients, you know, would you rather speak to a thousand ideal customers in a conference room for a half hour, or would you rather have five minutes on the Super Bowl? Hmm. And a lot of them will just say, oh, I'd have five minutes on the Super Bowl. I'm like, why? Nobody would like you. You know, you'd be interrupting that. Whereas if you could sit down with a thousand ideal customers, Mm -hmm. you know, for a half hour, that would be great. And I use the example myself. Early on, I was on a big podcast and I probably got heard by 40,000 people. And, you know, Daryl, out of that, I got about two dozen leads and they were great leads. I was thankful for them. But shortly after that, I was on another podcast and the host just before the interview said that she had 300 downloads per episode. And I'm like, well, I'm here anyway. And, you know, I think it's a great audience. And we did the interview. And I'll tell you what, I got 150 leads from that and Mm. sold $5,000 worth of product. And after that, I looked at that and said, you know, there's more fish in the ocean than there are in a barrel. Mm -hmm. But I tell you what, if you can show me where a barrel of fish is, I'm going to go there every time. And so that's really where that focus is. And that's what's the important part of the first step in the process, which is prospecting. And, you know, after that, then you can get into the pitching standpoint. Got it. So what, you just prospect and then you pitch? Well, really the steps that we've said are prospecting, pitching, preparation, performance, progression, and then promotion. So from the standpoint of the pitching, you know, same thing. Nobody likes a cold call. Nobody likes to be spammed. So don't go out there and just say, well, if I pitch a thousand podcasts and get a VA from overseas to do it for, you know, $3 an hour, I'll have the best success. Now pick five podcasts, listen to them, listen to a number of the episodes, subscribe to them, leave a rating and review, share some of the content, make comments. I tell you what, if you do that for a couple of weeks, when you reach out to the podcast host and say, Daryl, I've got some things that I think Mm -hmm. would be beneficial to your audience, they'll Mm -hmm. know who you are. Mm -hmm. Then it's not a cold pitch and Mm -hmm. your chances of getting on those podcasts are much, much better than if you just robo spam them. Yep. (laughs) Robo spam. I like that. That's a good term. (laughs) Got it. 
Very well said. Very, very well said. And I think it just does come down to that, too, because, for example, mine, I kind of pride myself. Anybody here that's been a follower for a long time, I think about 90, 95% of the guests, I have a personal, like you, pre-existing relationship. We've known each other for eight years, nine, ten years almost, I think, you know, keep crossing paths. So I think that that's a really important thing, because if someone's taken the time, I know for myself, you know, I've helped build a community of aspiring entrepreneurs. And so if I'm going to stand in front of everybody and say, hey, I'd like you to meet my buddy Tom, I better know what Tom smells like and how, you know what I mean? Like what it's going to be like and that it's a good thing. I'm not going to look like an idiot for introducing them. Some shows, not all shows are that way. Some shows are about volume, but again, I guess it kind of depends what you're looking for, right? And I think that just by getting to know the audience, that's actually another marketing strategy. I knew a guy that used to do that kind of with associations though. He would sell from stage, and so he would get to know associations. And every time, especially around Christmas, he would have been in their annual, like, say, dentist. He'd be in, like, their quarterly newsletter, writing articles. He would actually go and visit some of the main key players. He would be at a couple of different conferences and events. And what he would do is, after paying for advertising their magazines and such with the administrative board, he would ask if he could give a presentation either, like, at night, if it's, like, a two-day conference at night when they're done, or even just the day before or maybe the day after. And then he would market it kind of through the conference. And that was his way of kind of farming associations for clients. And I think the approach, it's kind of sounds like doing a podcast done properly would be somewhat of the same thing. That way, when you get up in front of people, everybody kind of already knows you, likes you, trusts you. And then you've really got their attention in their ear, right? And that's really why podcast interviews give you so much leverage over doing your own podcast. Mm. Because, you know, anybody that says doing a podcast is easy has either never done it or never done it well. (laughs) You know, Daryl, my hat's off to you for all the hard work that goes into this. Mm. And, you know, if you want to start your own podcast, my blessings to you. And I'll support you in any way I can. But there's a lot of work. And it's like starting a blog at the beginning who are you going to have listening to it? Mm-hmm. So if I started a podcast, you know, that first interview would be a whole lot of work. I'd focus probably on somebody else most of the time, yep. and there wouldn't be a whole lot of people listening to it. So That's from that right. standpoint, if you get on somebody else's podcast that already has an audience of your ideal, you know, listeners – that is just, you know, that's golden. It's like the difference of, you know, do you want to write your own blog or do you want to have your blog picked up on, you know, whatever it is, Wall Street Journal? Yeah. Everybody would say, I'd rather have it on Wall Street Journal. Same reason for being a guest on a podcast. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. But I think it's a fantastic point just that it's about building those personal relationships. And a lot of people already like a, just a really basic tip for any business to help expand their profitability is to not just think of your customers one-off transactions to really think about it as building a relationship because now you understand why that investment really helps with your conversion rates, why it helps with you customizing your offer to suit what they need. So now I guess one of the things that I wanted to ask is what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people making? Sure. And you hit on it right there. Not thinking long-term, thinking of the transaction. How can I sell something right here? Well, nobody wants to listen to an infomercial. Nobody wants to be, you know, sold to, and you don't want to disrespect the podcast host. So that would be one, just trying to sell there as opposed to teaching and building trust. The other thing is not giving people a next step. You know, whenever we're on digital, you know, online, we always talk about what's the call to action? What's the next step to move them there? And you've got to think of that same thing on a podcast interview. So I'll give you a little uh, view behind the curtain. You know, before when I said, 
hey, you know, you can get an infographic on six secrets to getting on your first podcast. Well, that was a call to action. Mm-hmm. And by moving them to a dedicated page, like I said, okay, just go to interviewvalet.com forward slash best business and everything mm-hmm. Daryl and I talked about will be there. Well, now you're moving them there so you can actually yep. give them a unique experience. And continue the conversation. And help them, right? Because that's, that's right. you know, that serve, 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 ask. There's not everything that I can say here definitively answer this question. If you're interested, you know, want to know what the next step is. So when people just leave the next step is, you know, sign up for my newsletter or, you know, follow me on social media. That's not easy. So with that, you know, that's important. Mm-hmm. Another thing that we found that's important from our testing is to give people different ways to engage, right? So we talk about having a small yes, a medium yes, and a heck yes. So there'll be some people that listen to this podcast that are like, huh, that's interesting. You know, and for them, maybe a quick win could be just, you know, getting that infographic. A bigger yes may be, hey, I'll spend a half hour of my time to watch a video that totally explains this. And and why would they watch a video? Because, or training, because there's things that they couldn't get on the podcast, right? Just because yep. of the visual things. That's right. And then the big yes could be, hey, uh, you know, let's have a conversation. Could we help you do this in your business? Could we help you go from being obscure to acclaimed as a podcast guest? So with that, offering them different ways to say yes, because if somebody hears you on the podcast and they want to engage with you, don't slow them down trying to go through your sales funnel. So those are all things that we've learned on that. And then I'd say the final mistake that you know, people make is not promoting the episode. Here we are in 2017. I guarantee you there's somebody right now in 2020 that's listening to this for the first time. And they're like, Daryl's a genius. You know, (laughs) where has he been all my life? So with that, make sure that you realize that just because it's old to you doesn't mean it's old to other people. It still could bring value to them. So still promote that on social media. And there's ways you could repurpose the content. Uh, You know, not everybody listens to podcasts right now. So don't make them just come to hear for it. You know, put some Mm -hmm. clips on social media. You could transcribe the interview and make some blog posts out of it. You could take little audio snippets and put some B-roll footage on it, make a video out of it. So really, it's such rich content. If you're going to spend a half hour on a podcast interview or 45 minutes, whatever it is, make sure that you get the most out of that. And that's where I see a lot of people fall down in this. You know, the Mm. first question is, how do I get on a podcast? And I'm like, well, there's 400,000, 350,000 of them. That's the easy thing. You know, if you want better results, you need better answers. To get better answers, you need to ask better questions. Mm. And the question that people really are answering is, how can I use podcasts to grow my business? Mm. And that's really what we talk about. Mm, mm, mm. I love that. And you mentioned this before, and I think this is what I wanted to mention was the traffic when you hop on other people's show. And even now you mentioned when you do an interview, don't just leave it there for no one and expect like even the host myself, you know, to promote it, yada, 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 right? Like promote it yourself because it's got great content or just use it and pull stuff out of it and make it work for you and whatever your purpose is, right? Because there's only three ways to get traffic. You can buy it, which you mentioned earlier, where you pay for advertising. You spend money to get in front of people. You can borrow it where you hop on like this. I've got a following. We release an episode a week. I've got a loyal following of people that download it and it's growing and goes up and down. And you know, you can just borrow all my hard work and effort by coming on my show and get a piece of my audience attention, or you can build it, which is kind of what 
I've done with the podcast. I'm building the following for myself, but through the way I guess I share it with other people, right? It's a collaborative process. So you can buy it, borrow it, or build it. But if you don't participate, I think for a lot of people, they get whatever they put in, you know? So I think that's a great tip because otherwise it's the same thing. Like in content marketing, that's a danger that I've found people do. They produce 500 blog articles, but then nobody knows it exists. In fact, Daryl Eves, another guest that we've interviewed, he's responsible for over a billion with a B, billion YouTube video views for his clients. He's one of only 12 people certified by YouTube as a consultant. I remember asking him about a channel that I was helping launch. And he said, you're better off to start with like three or five videos and build a following with that than produce 30, 40 videos and have no one to watch them. You know, so you're better off to just syndicate your content. I think it was JC Penny. I'm trying to think of who it was. It wasn't JP Morgan. It was somebody else. But they said that most entrepreneurs just enjoy building track, like train track. He says, but I love building a length of track and seeing how many trains I can run across it. You know? oh, that's so, awesome. You know, and that's yeah. the same sort of thing, that same sort of concept, right? That's the thing is that most everybody has a great product or service. Mm-hmm. It's not perfect, but it's perfect for mm-hmm. a subset of people. Right. And now we've got access to all of those someones. So your problem is not your product or your service. Your problem is that nobody knows about you. Mm-hmm. So you've got to figure out how to not be obscure. So, you know, the analogy, if you've got this best store out in the middle of the desert, rearranging the shelves or getting a new sign on the front will not change it because you're obscure. So what yeah. you need to do is figure out a way to be found. Right. And I think that's the biggest challenge that all of us have because, you know, there's so many ideal clients out there for us. Yep. I mean, I always point back to the worst business advice I ever got in my life came from my grandfather. You know, it was okay. the only wrong thing that Irishman ever told me. And, you know, <laughs> he was a mechanic in a small town and he told me, choose carefully who you drink with because you can't choose who you work with. Mm. And for him, that was true, right? Anybody yep. that came in with the car was his customer. But Daryl, for you and I, it's different. Yep. You know, we've got access to hundreds of millions of people, and we can't serve hundreds of millions. That's right. You know, there's this small, small subset of people that you know, our ideal customers, they'd be thrilled to work with us. We'd be thrilled to work with them. We've got the product. We've got the service. We've got the knowledge. We've just got to figure out a way to connect with them. And that's Mm -hmm. one of the things I love about podcast interviews is I was at a conference last year speaking and somebody up on the, the podium there said that you needed 75 new leads a day. And Mm. I just looked at her and I said, you got to be kidding me. I said, I couldn't handle 75 75 new customers a day. And she's like, no, not customers, just leads. And I'm like, well, why would I want somebody's email address if they couldn't be a great customer? Mm -hmm. So I think what we're seeing from podcast interviews is that you get the traffic, but it's better traffic. You know, Mm -hmm. a good blog will convert about one to two percent. Podcast interview will convert visitors to leads at a rate of about 25 to 50 percent. And if you get that great one where you're really focused in on that market, we've seen Mm -hmm. conversion rates of 75 percent. And the other thing is the, the time to close is so much quicker too. Right, right. Right, because it's not cold traffic. It's like they've already heard you for a half hour, whatever. They know you, so they come there engaged. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree full heartedly. I mean, it gives you a great opportunity for to get people to know you and, again, know what you're about. So it's a fantastic tool, a fantastic platform for sure. Now, do you feel that there's some habits that some of the best clients you have work with? I mean, what sort of habits or routines do you think help someone be more successful based on your experience and all the people you've helped? Well, I would say you, you hit on it right there in the routines that, you know, what I learned in nuclear power is that, you know, success doesn't come from superhuman effort all the time. Mm-hmm. Success comes from the systems and the routines in that part. So with that, if it's already been figured out for you, don't try reinventing. <laughs> you know, if somebody else has figured out the system, use their system. Now yep. you can tweak it a little bit and stuff like that. But, you know, some people will say, well, do I have to do all of those steps? Do I have to do, you know, yeah. a dedicated welcome page? Do I have to promote it on social media? And what I point out is, yes. you know, do you, do you need all pieces of a car? I think so. Or, you know, if I give you the recipe for a cake, yeah. do you need all those things? I yeah. don't know. Try to Do you need all the ingredients. Are you sure you want to put sugar in that or flour yeah, or egg? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you can, but you won't get the same results. So I think, you know, the people that get the best results with it are the ones that just follow the system, wash, mm-hmm. rinse and repeat, you know, and that's something that I do. Something I teach all of our clients is just to follow the system. And here's another one. I'll share this resource with the audience here. I've got a checklist that I go through every time before a podcast and they say checklists are written in blood and always make sure it's somebody else's blood. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to make the same mistake that somebody else has made. So with that, you know, five minutes before the podcast, I'm, you know, putting Dropbox to to pause. I'm checking the microphone. I'm, you know, turning off things. And all of those is because it's happened before. And, you know, I'm I'm even writing Daryl's name down and writing the podcast name down because I don't want to get distracted in the middle of this and call the wrong name, call the wrong podcast. So all of these things, you know, just follow the checklist. And, you know, I'll put that checklist up there too at Interview Valley com forward slash best business. You know, and it's a bit of a tangent off topic, but I think it's still on topic because a lot of people, they talk about there's not enough of things. There's scarcity, like the economy's bad or, you know, I don't have money or, you know, there's so much pollution. There's not enough clean air or, you know, climate change, like all this scarcity. And some of this is real. Like it's very true, right? There are those things out there. But people often overlook all the abundance that we live in. Like right now, someone's listening to us talk and I didn't figure out the technology to make any of this happen. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just spent the money to buy the headset. I bought the software tools. You know, I read what other people figured out and explained to me how to do. Like, none of this I had to figure out. If you left me alone in the woods, you know, they didn't have to wait for 13 years for me to figure out how to make a microphone headset. Do you know what I mean? Like, I got to benefit from the abundance of all this knowledge and these accomplishments and technologies that we've already had developed. And, Daryl, the thing is, most of it is free out there, too. Yeah. Right? So today, if you are ignorant or isolated – and you've got access to an internet connection. It's largely by choice. Yeah. You know, you don't have to figure it out yourself. You can learn from other people. And the thing is, is that so many people are out there that want to help you. You yeah. know, you talked before about having friends on your podcast. I mean, that's what everybody likes to do. I want to bring my friends on and introduce them to the world. That's right. So really, you know, you can use that to learn things and people will help you. They'll help you spread your message, but you've got to build the relationships there. So now I have a question then. How do you help people? You talked about like a small yes, a bigger yes, and a heck yeah. How do you define those or create those? If someone doesn't have an offer already from scratch, 
What do you, this might be out of right field, but like, what do you recommend to them? How do you help people craft their offers for interviews? How do they test it? So with that, one of our services is sort of an inbound marketing consultation on that, on what can you use on your podcast interview to really move people along, move them from being visitors to listeners to leads. Mm. And so we've got an experience with other clients and see what works with them and come up with lots of different ideas that, hey, have you thought about this? And we even go through their website. You're like, well, you know this, you could make this into a checklist very easily. And that's a small win. You know, you could give this as a medium-sized win. Do you have a webinar that you've ever done? And they'll be like, yeah. Do you have a recording of it? Sure. Well, I said, just make that a 30-minute training, right? So mm. those work really well to progress, right? Because you think about it from a relationship standpoint. All right. You've heard somebody on a podcast. What's the next thing to build that relationship? Well, probably to see them, you know, maybe to talk to them one-on-one, -on -one, which could be a mm -hmm. free consult, but for actually somebody to talk with you, that's a bigger commitment mm -hmm. because, you know, most people are afraid, oh, I'm going to get sold on this. But if they're ready to engage, that's one to put up there. So we go through a lot of that. You know, another one that, mm -hmm. Daryl, I am always amazed by is personal assessments. Mm -hmm. now, if, if you and I met at a bar this weekend, and I started to ask you, hey, so tell me your name. Tell me your company. What's your sales this year? What's your sales goal next year? What's your profitability? What's your biggest problem? You would look at me and say, none of your business. Get away from me. <laughs> but yet you put that same thing up there, you know, a survey, a personal assessment on your website. And people will share that information. And I love that, too, because it helps them self-select into different funnels or different buckets. So if somebody's just starting up, it doesn't mean that they're a bad person, but they may not be a good client for you. Mm -hmm. So it help them and automatically do that so that, you know, if they're not a good client, put them down in different, you know, buyer's funnel help them with free products or low cost products. And those people that, you know, are better suited for your service, work them through. And that's the, makes the most efficient use of your time and their time. And then ultimately it's, it's testing it, right? Mm -hmm. So put those three offers up there, see which ones resonate the best, which ones get the best engagement, and then always be changing those up. So yeah, get out there, test, talk to people, change it based on feedback, listen to your customers and give them what they ask for and just get some experience, right? Just get out there and just start doing it. Listen to the best practices, put your best foot forward at least, but then you just start walking. Journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, right? And from that standpoint, the customer is the only expert. You and I have opinions on our businesses, but they're just opinions. It's the customers that with their actions and with their dollars, they're voting every day and they're telling us what they love and what they loathe. And sometimes we just have to be smart enough to give them more of what they love and stop wasting their time with stuff they loathe. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, I fully agree with that. Now, how do you feel about the future of podcast interviews and interviews in general? Is this going to change anytime soon? Is it going to become more effective, less effective? Where do you see this going in the next 5, 10, 15, 25 years? Boy, when you say 5, 10, 15, I always say the best piece of fiction I ever wrote was a business plan that went out five years. <laughs> I, I think looking at it short term, it's only going to become more effective. And it's not so much about the podcast, but it's about the number of listeners, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're listening to this podcast, you understand that sense of engagement, the intimacy, the closeness that you feel when you hear somebody on a podcast. So that's only going to increase. And I don't think people are going to think that 
focus so much about as being a podcast anymore. They're just going to think it as something that I heard. Hmm. So they're not going to remember, was it on a podcast? Was it on the radio? Over the summer, I got called from a couple of buddies in Arizona and they said, hey, I didn't realize you were in town. And I'm like, I'm not. And they <laughs> wanted to get together for dinner. And when I actually figured it out, my podcast interview got picked up by some morning drive radio, radio station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was six months later, they thought I was live in the city there. So I think this whole idea of podcasts is going to start just merging where oh, people yeah. just realize that I just heard it. Yep. And so from that standpoint, you know, right now in the U.S., at least so it's a 30 to 40 percent of the U.S. population listens to podcasts. That's only going to go up. Where I think it's going to change, though, is that as podcasts grow, I think it's going to be harder and harder to get on some of the best podcasts. Mm -hmm. Right now is sort of the golden age. If you try to get on radio or television right now, it's a pay-per-play game, right? So mm. if I call the big television station and said, hey, I've got some great information that I would like to share with your audience, it's the sales department that's going to call me back. Right. And they're going to say, you know, Mr. Schwab, if you would like to get Interview Valet on the 5 a.m. news, just buy this much advertising. If you want to get on the 5 p.m. news, buy this much advertising. Right, so right, right. right now, podcasts are still free from that standpoint, I think, mm -hmm. with time. That will probably change. Mm. The other thing that I think is the access to the podcast is going to be tougher. Mm. I've heard this from lots and lots of podcasters is they're getting pitched and pitched more. And I think of back, you know, in the day with Oprah Winfrey, you know, she was probably getting pitched, I don't know, a thousand, two thousand times a week. But how many of those did they actually see? You know, if you didn't have an inside source there you weren't getting even pitched hmm. or if you weren't working with an agency. And I think that's one of the things that we're seeing is that the best podcasts, it makes it easier and easier for them just to work through a service like Interview Valet. It makes it easy because they know that the host is vetted. You know, we call up all of our guests certified guests. So we vetted them. They've got a great story to tell. They've got those offers. They've got dedicated landing pages. They'll promote it on social media. They've got the right equipment. Mm -hmm. you know, one of the big podcasters pointed out to me that he cancels 20% of his interviews within the first two minutes yep. because the people aren't ready. They aren't prepared. And those interviews will never get rebooked. Yep. So from that standpoint, you've got one shot there. You want to make sure that you're taking the best shot at that. So I think that's how it's going to change in the future, that it's going to be more competitive to get on the shows. At some point, it will go to a pay per play. But right now, I would say, especially in the next three years, Boy, it's the prime time. Hmm. And if you want to talk to your ideal customers and really go from being obscure to being known, there is no better investment of 30 or 45 minutes of your time than to be on podcasts. You know, I'll talk hmm. to clients and say, you know, would you change your schedule this afternoon to talk to, you know, 100 ideal customers? And they're like, oh, yes. I'm right. like, would you get on a plane tomorrow to talk to 1,000 ideal customers? That's right. And most of them get scared and they're like, I am not talking to a crowd of a thousand. <laughs> like, that's okay. You could talk to, you know, tens of thousands. Yep. I added it up one time. I think I've talked to over 3 million people on podcasts and it's as easy as just talking into a microphone or having a conversation one-on-one -on -one with somebody and you can do it from your home, your office, vacation. I've even done a podcast interview from a car one time. So <laughs> it just makes it easy. It's a lifestyle entrepreneur. That's for sure. And I yep. think you're right. And it's funny because, and this is totally not preempted, but when I think of, like I said earlier, nine, nine 
90, 95% of my guests are people that I know, and it's because I know them and I've seen their expertise or I've seen the fruits of their work that I'm willing to vet them and let them come on my show. Because I feel personally responsible. If I introduce my audience to someone and they turn out to not be who they say they are, right, that ails me. So I think you're right. The people that I have had on the show that I don't know have usually come by recommendation by someone else that I know that I've just built a relationship with, but they're usually like some sort of PR person or agency. And I just know them from the circles. We're all marketers, but it's usually that way. It's usually the referral from someone who already knows what I'm looking for and has the groundwork done because exactly you say, that's why even, even with you, Tom, I've known you for eight years and I still made you hop on a pre-call before we interviewed, right? Because everybody, there's that buffer. I don't want to be committed. I've actually made the mistake and they've gotten through that first meeting and then I've done the interview and then I've never released it. I had one guy I remember once, he was just really sleazy. I kind of just was polite to him. I kind of ended the call halfway through, but he was just selling. He was hard sell and I'm just... You know, Daryl, you are more honest than some podcast hosts. I mean, some of them will admit that certain episodes, I don't know, the recording just didn't work out and I lost the recording and we're just never going to re-record that one. <laughs> but the yeah. truth is, is, you know, they're like, no, I will not give you access yeah. to my audience. You know, you haven't earned so, it. So, I mean, I probably would. I don't think I have a personal rule, but I think it's just like you said, because we do do background research on people beforehand. We want to make sure that we're introducing reputable people. You know, of course, not everyone's business isn't going to work out with everybody. We understand that. But anyway, just based on what you said earlier about that, that is going to become more and more like that. I think I can already see it kind of going that way. So, Tom, you've been a fantastic guest. You've really been forthcoming. You've given us some options. There's a free infographic, and then there's also a 30-minute training more on this for anyone that's listening that wants to consider getting on shows and using them. I'm obviously an advocate for it because I've got my own podcast. (laughs) And then you also have the valet service. So, Tom, was there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? You've given us a ton of information, a lot of step-by-step checklists. Is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't? No, I think we touched on pretty much everything here. And Mm -hmm. if you're interested, the one thing I would leave people with is that if you're listening to podcasts, you understand the power of this medium. And in the future, you know that more and more people are going to be listening to that, Mm -hmm. including your ideal prospects. So what you need to do now and do it early is decide how are you going to use this medium? Are you going to be a podcast host? Are you going to be a podcast guest? Are you going to do both? But the thing is, is you have to decide because your clients and prospects are going to be listening to podcasts. And you get to decide whether or not they hear you or your competition. And if I could be of any help, you know, just come back to interviewvalet.com forward slash best business, and we'll have all the resources there. That's awesome. Tom, thank you so much for coming and sharing. I definitely learned a lot. I was interested in the subject matter. We've never had a podcast interview expert on the show. I try not to have a lot of overlap. So being a host, I was definitely intrigued to hear your answers to some of my questions. And just thank you for just sharing openly. And again, if anyone wants to check it out, please, I do highly recommend Tom. Again, I've known the guy for a number of years, and he's still here (laughs) and still swinging and still helping people grow businesses. So And that must mean that he's doing something right. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. Tom, thank you so much for your time. It is an honor and a pleasure. And just thank you for your continued support and encouragement and just being a friend and, of course, being a role model and example that I can follow. Thank you, Daryl. All right. Take care. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, 
What can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.